we, um, I, I like this time of year because I like change. I like to, to see things change. I like new seasons starting. I like to, I, I kind of get in this rhythm when I'm, when a new season starts, when it gets cold or warm, like you start thinking about some things in your life. Like it's just a good time of year to start, you know, calibrating or rethinking some things. And I just think, well, it's easy to do because it's built in. It's a built in, you know, that season's going to change. You know, the time was changing last night, right? There's nobody here planning on showing up third service. I like that. Um, I know some of you hate daylight savings time, but I also like getting in the summer and, and having it go and you're like, it's eight o'clock at night and it's still light out. This is awesome. Uh, I like those things. And so I want to talk to you today about maybe, um, maybe taking an assessment and recalibrating a little bit. We're going to have some fun together, but um, we're calling it the wish list. And I think there's a graphic they have up there. Anybody know what a cornucopia is? Yeah, back when I was a kid, we called them the Horn of Plenty. Um, back thousands of years ago, they used to weave these baskets and carry them on their back. And, and during the fall harvest, they would put it in the basket, and then that would be a symbol. You know, you bring it home, and that would be a symbol of blessing in our lives. But, you know, nobody's bringing home a grocery bag full of broccoli now, and the kids are going, look how the Lord has blessed us. Um, so we, we created a graphic that was a little more uh, idyllic to what we would consider the blessing of God today. If our, if our horn of plenty could fit a yacht and a nice car and a motorhome and Ferris wheel even, <laughs> imagine that. Um, <laughs> but um, the idea of, of what plenty and what a wish list looks like in our lives. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to read in Philippians chapter 3 and, uh, and see how Paul thought about these things when he wrote to the church in Philippi. So why don't you stand to your feet? We do this every Sunday in honor of reading the word. And um, we're going to read from Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. Say amen if you're ready. Amen. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Father, we thank you this morning. God, you have been, my, our history is that you've been good to us. We pray that we remember that today, Lord. We focus on the right things in this season. Lord, we take an assessment 
of what we're hoping for. And we pray that we would reflect your goodness in our lives. We, we thank you for this moment together, Lord. We came here on purpose for you to change us. It's in that light we say, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Here's what I know about everybody in the room, and uh, you uh, humble bragger people, uh, you're included too. Everybody has a wish list. Everybody does. You may not have written it down technically. It may not be something that you'll present even your parents. If you're a teenager in here, you may not even give it to your parents, but you've been hinting at it. Uh, if you're an adult in here, you may not you may not give it to your spouses like, hey, this is what it's looking like this year for Christmas. If you love me. Um, I have a wish list. My wife knows a little bit about it, but my wish list works differently. I don't know if there's any other guys in the room that work this way. My wish list works differently. I use the wish list. Not, I don't want my wife going out and buying it for me because a lot of things I want are technical. Like you got to get it the right thing, the right way. Anybody else like this? So my wish list works like this. I'll just start mentioning it. And I'll mention it enough that when I bring it home, it's not a shock. <laughs> Anybody else work that way? Like, I don't want you getting it for me because I want the, I want to be the one to get it and make sure it's right. And it's going to be, you know, it's got to be a certain thing in a certain way. And I want to get, I like, I want to be able but I want to mention it enough. I'd love to have one of those, man. Wouldn't it be crazy? Um, I mentioned it enough that then when I bring it home unannounced, oh yeah, you've been talking about that. Cat's out of the bag. So I like, to, I like to think in my, my life in terms of wish lists, like two separate columns. I don't know if you can go ahead and put that, put that up, but wish list of um, temporary things and eternal things. And, and here's what we need to understand. On, on the earth, most of the things we do wish for are temporary, wouldn't, wouldn't you call it? Now, now let, me, let me say this. I'm not talking about good and bad because I think there's a lot of good things out there that I want. I'm not talking about good or bad. I, I don't, I'm not, you may have a wish list and all those things are perfectly fine. And I'm, I'm glad for you that, that, that you want that and you're writing it down. I'm totally fine. I'm not the pastor standing up here. Everything is evil. Don't, you know, I'm not that guy. But I am 100% aware that everything on on like, let's say the, the left side of the list is temporary. It is temporary. Uh, if I buy a new vehicle, as new as it is, it's still temporary. At some point in time, I have to do a lot of maintenance to it. And, and it's temporary. If I, get a, if I get some recreational, it's temporary. If I, if, I, if I buy a new phone, it's really temporary. If I get a computer, it's temporary. Everything, every physical purchase that we make has a lifespan. Can we just agree on that? It could be really, really good and maybe even necessary. Anybody replace the heat pump lately? Really good stuff. I'm glad God gave us air conditioning. It's temporary. So what I like to do in this at times is, is to say, okay, how many temporary things do I want versus how many eternal things do I want? 
So I'm not, I'm not even asking you whether the things you want are good or bad. I'm not, I'm not going to say, well, your list looks greedy. I don't even care what's on the list. But there is a difference between the temporary side of it and the eternal side of it. So what I would say is, when you, let, let's make a list and let's say, what are the temporary things that I want, good or bad? And then what, are, what can I list on the other side of it? Because Paul's having this discussion. He's writing to the Philippians and he's saying, listen, I actually, before he gets to where we read, he gives a list of things that he had accomplished and reasons why, why he could boast and be proud of himself. And, and he's saying, listen, that list over there that I was chasing after and that a lot of it I accomplished, it means nothing to me now comparing to knowing the greatness of Christ. So he's done the same thing that we're doing today. He's drawn a line and he's put all these temporary things, not, not good or bad, but temporary things, and he's comparing them to the eternal things, and he's saying, I would count all that as actually loss. I just ruined it for some of us because you can't call a new vehicle an investment anymore because now we all know it's temporary. So he says, I count all that as loss because it's, it's fading away. And this is what is actually worth it. I'll count all that as lost for the sake of knowing him. And he says, here's how I know it's a wish list. Because he says, not that I've attained all this, but I'm striving towards it. So he said, what happened was, I had a left side. I had a left side where I wrote all these things down that I was striving for. He said, I had that. I had that left side. And not good or bad, but it pales in comparison to the right side that I'm now striving for. So he says, now I've written down on the right side, and all the stuff now that I look on the left side is not even, I don't even, it's not even comparable to the right side. So he's writing to the Philippians and having this thing, he's saying, hey, to take a survey. Now, when he gets to chapter 4, which we didn't read, we read from chapter 3. When he gets to chapter 4, he's saying, now he's telling them, thanks for helping me out. Because he was in need, and the Philippian church helped him. So in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that you now at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking of being in need, now watch what he does here. Now that I'm speaking in, about being in need, he says, listen, I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. Let's get something straight. I've worked the wish list out. I'm not saying there's not things that I don't want, but I'm saying those things that I want compared to what I want in him, I can live without it. So he says, he says I've gotten the list worked out. So he says, not that I'm speaking about being in need, for I've learned whatever situation I'm in to be, what's that word? You got to work the list out in order to be content. We're going to get to that. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, so Paul's saying, listen, church, I got the list right back in chapter 3, 
All those things that I used to wish for, that I used to try to attain, all those things, they weren't bad. It wasn't, it's, it's not negative to want a better job, to want a better house. It's not negative. It's not negative to want to achieve in your life. But he said, the problem is, in order to be content, I have to get the list, I have to get it right. And so he said, I, was, I stopped being consumed by all that, and I started being consumed with the greatness of Christ. And he said, now if I'm going to press towards something, I'm going to press towards knowing him. Now the main thing on my wish list is knowing him. Now, here's the problem in church. We throw the baby out with the bathwater, which I went back and read what that meant, and it's weird. There's a lot of not good things that we say, and we don't realize what we're saying. Because we go, if we focus on him, then we don't get any of the other stuff. Because maybe you grew up being taught being poor was godly. And give it all away. I propose to you that you keep enough to send your own kids to college. I think that's a good idea. And I started thinking about you know, we sang that song, My History, uh, that second song we sang today, My, my History is kind of is evidence of the goodness of God in my life. And, and Paul's not saying, listen, Paul does not say he starved to death here. Did he? He's not saying, man, you know what? God left me out there. I starved to death. No, he's saying, I know what it's like to be hungry. But yet he's still there. So he's saying, I know what it's like to be in a place where God supplied my need. So what, what happens with us is we, we, we get the fear of if I, if I shift my focus to the right side of the list, if I shift my focus from the left of all the things that I need and I want, if I shift it to the right, then I won't get any of the things I need or want. And come on, I've been there where I was like, I want this, Lord, and if I focus on you, I don't read boat in your word. <laughs> and we get this like, ah, oh, I don't know. But Paul said, listen, I know what it's like to be well-fed, and I know what it's like to be hungry. In both circumstances, God provided me what I needed. All right, can we, can we be honest uh, with our circumstances this morning? I'll put up a couple QR codes. You can read the articles if you want to. Uh, but I just wanted to put up the QR codes to let you know I wasn't making it up. You can take your phone and the camera out. And just snap a picture of the QR code. I'll take you to the link. As of September 2022, this is, the, this is the circumstance we are all living in right now. Inflation was the number one worry in the world out of everything that people could be worried about. Did you, did you hear that? Out of all the things that the globe could be worried about. And 40% of people came back. Now you say, well, Chris, that's not a majority. Out of everything that we could be worried about, 40% of people said, things cost too much. Can somebody say amen? I thought a diesel truck was a smart buy. 
anybody want a diesel truck? I'll trade you right now for that gasoline truck you got. See another QR code pop up. I'm quoting now from this article, the Associated Press. Inflation was reported as a source of stress for the vast majority of adults, 83%. And the majority of all adults also said the economy, 69%, and money, 66%, are a significant source of stress. Of those who said money is a source of stress, most said that stress is about having enough money to pay for basic needs. Remember, Paul said, I know what it's like to be hungry. To pay for basic needs. Slightly more than half of adults who reported money as a significant source of stress said money is a cause of fights or tensions in their family compared with 41% of the general population who said the same. So here's what I know. Money gets tight, inflation goes up, we focus on money, and then we fight more. Anybody say amen about that? Don't look around. Don't look beside you. Remember the list. This may be partially due to having, a, having to make different choices due to lack of money. Nearly three in five adults, 57%, who indicated money was a source of stress, said that having enough money to pay for things in the present, like food or rent or mortgage, is their main source of stress regarding money. While more than two in five adults, 43%, reported feeling that saving enough money for things in the future is their main source of stress. So that's the topic of today. That's the topic of today that everything, diesel, I filled up with diesel yesterday, $5.30 a gallon. Now you feel bad for me. $5.30 a gallon. Electric cost, gas cost. You hear it on the news. The cost to heat your house this year is going to be a lot more. Before it even gets cold, the anxiety starts to elevate. How are we going to afford to heat the house this year? So now our list starts to build. And it may, it, may change from, it may change from a yacht to, Lord, can I get some heating oil? But here's the thing. Paul said, Paul said, no matter what, even if it was hungry or well-fed, I could be content. That's what he said. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he says, listen, listen, Philippians. Listen, here's the thing. What happened was I was able to get the list right I was able to figure the list out, and then when I found myself in those circumstances, I was, I was okay, no matter if I was hungry for a day or well-fed. No matter if it seemed like I wouldn't get provided for. Remember, because Paul's still talking. He didn't die from starvation. He didn't die from heat loss. He's saying, his testimony is, when I didn't think it could happen, when I thought I didn't have anything to eat. God provided. Amen? Amen. So here's what happens. Put that next list up where it's, a, where it's a whole bunch of stuff on this side. Put that next. Okay, here's, here's what. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes my life looks like this. It does. There's things I want. Look at your neighbor and say, there are things that I want. Can I just tell you something about the frustration about inflation and the economic circumstance we're in today? 
your wish list didn't go away. But now you have to substitute what you wanted with food and fuel. And then the anxiety really starts to build because you thought for the last 10 years you'd worked really, really hard, really, really hard, really, really hard, really, really hard, and you were just about ready to get that 83-inch TV. And then, boom, gas is $5 a gallon. You're going, what? And then the left side gets paused, and it gets replaced with, we got to eat. We got to be able to afford to get the kids what they need. We got to. Christmas is coming. Please, could the politicians make inflation happen in April? You got Christmas coming, and you're, and you're, and you're looking at your kids and the expectation like, man, and, and you start having the conversation, hey, you know what? Christmas may look different this year. But the list doesn't change because it's still things we want. I'll be honest with you. I got, um, I got a little, I got a little envious this week. Uh, Wednesday, we went to Richmond to put on this conference, and uh, one of the teenagers from the church went with us. And um, we're sitting eating dinner, and Jack pulls his phone out. And he's got an iPhone 14 Plus Max, extra big. <laughs> and I went, Jack, where did you get that? your pastor has an iPhone 12. Like, there's something wrong. Are you praying more than me, Jack? And I felt myself go, how's this kid get a better phone than me? All the stuff that he's playing with today, I bought. I drove it down there. I own it. Like, we, like what, is, what is this? He's got a, his phone is better you say Chris this is all funny but I'm in a real circumstance here's what I want to tell you put that list back up in times like this what happens is you you train your brain by focusing on the left side and it builds anxiety in your life now watch me it builds anxiety in your life because, because you're trying to calculate where it's going to come from. Anybody done that recently? You try to sit down and add it up, trying to calculate where it's going to come from, how it's going to work out, how it's going to, how it's going to play out at the end, how it's going to happen, all this stuff. You're calculating, calculating, calculating. And guess what it does? It builds anxiety because in a circumstance like this, many of you can't figure it out because you didn't cause it. So many of you can't figure it out. So all it does is breed anxiety in your life. And then what happens? Trust me when I'm telling you this. Because what we're doing in circumstances like this, we're training ourselves how to think. You're programming your brain how to think. So the thing was, the magic of what Paul said was that I could be content with little and I could also be content with a lot. Now everybody in the room says, oh, I could be content with a lot. Man, you know what's fun about being around teenagers is on the way back, we stopped at a convenience store and got some stuff. And uh, anybody, does anybody realize, um, and you're like, should we be talking about this in church? Yes. It's, the Powerball is $1.9 billion right now. So me and Parker are riding home and we're like, I'm like, dude, what would you do with $1.9 billion? 
and we're trying to figure it out. How old's Parker? 15, 16, 15 years old. I said, Parker, let's do this. I'll buy the ticket and we'll split it. Don't think less of me, but we're, try- we're going to work this out. I said, listen, I'll give you $300 million of throwaway money. Buy an Amazon warehouse or something. I don't care what you do with a kid. Then we're going to invest the rest of it. We can make $20 million a year. Here's the problem. If I train my brain to be anxious, I'll be anxious with a lot as well. See, you got to take chapter three and chapter four and put them together because Paul's writing the same letter to the same people. And he's saying, listen, I, I, all that stuff I strove for, and I'm not necessarily saying it's bad, but in comparison to knowing him, all of it's rubbish. In comparison to knowing him, it's all rubbish. So then when you get to chapter four, it starts making sense when he can say, I'm content if I got a pocket full of money and I'm content if I don't. You know why? Because I trained my brain in the, in the difficult time to trust him. And so when I got over in the wealthy time, it was still about him. Because I've seen people that didn't have any money and then they came into money and they were just as anxious as if they didn't have any. Because you can't switch it off then. You actually have to retrain your brain again. Could you imagine having to do that according to what political group is in power? The economy's up. The economy's down. The economy's up. The economy's down. I can tell you this. I'm not going to a counselor every time the economy shifts. I believe in counselors. But I can't afford that. Anybody got time? But that's what we're setting ourselves up for. We're setting ourselves up for one crisis after another. And Paul is saying this. Paul's saying, hey, listen, get the list right. Get the list right because if you get the list right, here's what it ends up looking like. Put, the, put, that, last, put that last picture up there. If you get the list right, here's what it ends up looking like. Now, I know some of you grew up in church with, with, with them telling you, well, God will supply your need, but he's not going to give you what you want. Like got some mean, greedy guy up there that has all the resources on the planet and he's going, I'm just going to give them just enough to keep them hungry. That's not the way God works. How could a people ever sing a song about the evidence of his goodness is in my life if it wasn't good? There's never been a prisoner or a slave or an indentured servant that ever woke up in the morning and went, I'm glad just to get enough. God doesn't treat us that way. Aren't you thankful for it? I could tell you this. Beth and I have been in circumstances in our life where we're flat broke. And I don't mean when we just got married. Trying to figure out where he's going to come from. And then we've been in circumstances where we're able to give a whole pile of money away. For us, it was a pile, pile of money away. Just be like, take it. And what I'm finding out is if I let myself, I can be just as anxious in both circumstances. But here's what I'm finding out. We used to tell our kids, watch this, when they were growing up, 
I used to tell him, we'd sit down and we'd, we'd be talking about good things in our life. And I'd say, you know what? Mom and dad, we have more than what we can afford. I said, you look at all this stuff around us. I said, sometimes we wake up, we don't know how we got it. I don't think your mom's stealing it. I don't think she, I'm not stealing it. I work in the church. I ain't getting in trouble. She works for an accounting firm. That's where it's coming from. But we would sit down because we wanted him to know, listen, God blessed us beyond our capability. Aren't you glad that Paul didn't say, I know what it's like to always be broke? That's not Paul's story. I know what it's like to always suffer. I know what it's like to never have enough. All that God, man, if you're going to be an apostle, God just keeps you poor and broke and humble. No, no, no. He says, I know what it's like to have an abundance, and I know what it's like to have a little. But because I got this list right, I'm not anxious on either side of it. Because if I don't have enough, I know he'll supply. If I have enough, I know what to do with it. And that's just, when we sing that song, man, my history, Lord, shows that you've been good to me, that you provided for me, that you didn't just barely provide, you provided. There's been seasons in Beth and I's life where we just went, we don't even know how to work that out. Now, let me, let me help you along with this because there's some analytical type people in here. Get on my nerves. Some in Berkeley Springs too. Just don't want to leave you out. And there's some online, you analytical type people where you get your spreadsheets out, try to figure everything out before God does something. Well, if God will do this, God will do this, God will do this. Yep, Lord, I just gave it to you in a spreadsheet, upload it, and you follow that plan. We'll all be fine. And I'll even give a little more away. problem is this. I can't figure it out. And if you ask me how it happened today, I can't tell you. Can't figure it out. I can't, I can't figure it out. I can tell you at the beginning of the pandemic, Beth and I thought we were going to lose something that ended up turning out better after the pandemic than it did before. I don't know. Tell me how that works. I don't know. I don't know. Tell me how you can look back on your life and go, I don't even know how we got that. I don't know how that happened. Did we work hard? We worked hard. We made a point to teach our kids, you work harder than everybody else. You, you, you be, the, be smart. Not, not just because you, but because you studied. Because you worked at it. Be smart. Do good things. We taught our kids the whole, this is what we live by. We're going to work harder than, like if you work hard, we're going to try to work harder than you. What? <laughs> we're, that's, our, that's our mentality. We're not just laying back on God's going to take care of it. But after all that, after all that getting advice, after all that wisdom, after all that working hard, there's still things in my life that God did that I go, I don't know, Lord. It feels like you stole it from somebody. At the end of the day, though, what I attribute it to is we focus more on the right side of the list than the left side of the list. So if we were broke, we weren't going to get a divorce. 
Because we weren't running after money, we were running after him. And he can fix the money. Amen? If we were broke, we weren't going to treat our kids poorly because we were running after him because he can fix the money. Amen? So we, we focus on the eternal stuff. And Paul says, listen to me. If you can focus on the eternal, if you get it right, if you can count the stuff, not, it's not necessarily bad, and you may end up getting it. But that can't be the focus. Because if it is, you'll be like a yo-yo your whole life. And you'll just be in and anxious, 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 anxious. Here's, here's how it works out. We're going to end with this. Do you know that Paul wrote this letter from prison in Rome? And I don't mean house arrest with an ankle bracelet. I mean in a dungeon. Do you know what scholars call Philippians? It's the most joyous book. It's the most joyous letter Paul ever wrote. It's the most joyous letter Paul ever wrote. Out of 104 verses, he writes, he uses the original language for joy or rejoice 16 times in 104 verses. He'll say stuff like rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Where do you get that? Where do you get that? And my fear is when we find ourselves in place like this where, where, look, I'm not diminishing anything that's happening. I want to let you know that I'm not diminishing anything. I realize I just stuck the thing in my tank last night and it rang up and I thought, bro. not diminishing. I'm I'm not going to stand up here and say it's not real. Just trust God. It's not real. It's real. It's absolutely real. Paul being in a dungeon was absolutely real. Paul being in chains was absolutely real. But if we believe that God is who he said he is, and if we believe what we sang just a second ago that that the name of Jesus is above every other name and just at the sound of the name of Jesus he can do things that none of us could even comprehend then all of a sudden the church has a different outlook when inflation hits we don't walk into the world and go cheer up it's not that bad we walk into the world and say listen my God has supplied all my needs it hadn't been easy but I've kept myself from anxiety. I've kept myself from worry. I've kept myself from depression because I chose to focus on his goodness. I've chosen to focus on the right side of the list. I've chosen to run after him. I've chosen to just strain towards that. I've chosen to pick that side of the list. If I'm going to strain for something, if I'm going to put out a lot of energy, if I'm going to put out a lot of time thinking about it at night, it's going to be for the part that doesn't cause me anxiety. And then I'm able to wake up the next morning and go, whether I'm hungry today or well-fed, he's got me. And he's been faithful. And he will provide. And I will make it through. 
and I will be on the other side and I will be and heed my testimony that in 2022 when inflation went nuts, he took care of me. 16 times, Paul says. Come on, church, rejoice. Rejoice with me. Rejoice. 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 So listen, we can sit in here and clap but we have to take the joy outside the door, around the corner and into the other houses and the schools and the the businesses and all that stuff. Because listen to me, here's the thing. I don't want to leave out Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthians where he says this. Because this is what I believe in these circumstances the church has to double down on. I believe this, if I trust in him, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Okay. When they are added, don't forget 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter nine when Paul says, he will provide seed to the sower in abundance. He will provide all that you need in abundance so that not only you can provide for yourself, but you can be generous on all occasions. So I need you to understand something here. When you're standing in front of the person, come on, we just read in Philippians that Paul said, I'm content, but you supplied for me. Don't forget all the way back to the beginning when we talked about chapter three, Paul said, I'm content, man. I can go without a meal but I don't want to diminish the fact that you supplied my need. So when we walk out of this building, trusting God to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory, and then he does that and then gives you enough and then enough over that, then the church should walk outside and say, hey, listen, um, I know it's tough and God has supplied all my needs and actually he gave me a little more and I want to make sure that you now have enough. Because it's one thing for the church to sit inside and go, look at us rejoicing. Our bills are paid. Hallelujah. It's another thing for the take the excess that he's given us and walk outside the door and go, hey, listen, he supplied my need. And now to prove that he is real in my life, I'll supply your need. Amen. I'll supply your need. I'll supply your need. He said, I will increase your storehouse. I will keep giving to you so that on every occasion you can be generous. And I know you probably watch tons of TV preachers that'll tell you the only place you can be generous to the church. And I don't think that's true. I think tomorrow when you're at Sheets and somebody's standing there and you hear them go, I can only get $2. Say, make it a fill up and give them a Diet Coke on top. Maybe pay for the carton of cigarettes. That's up to you. I'm going to tell you something, church. God provided for me in abundance. And we can bemoan inflation till Jesus comes back, or we can stand up as a church and provide. Amen. And we get to do that. And we get to walk through seasons like this with a promise being anxiety free because it's all rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing him. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. I want to pray with you like that.
Come on, maybe you're going through it right now. Maybe you maybe you sit down. Maybe you sat down and numbers don't add up. That's why it's called faith. If they added up, you wouldn't need it. You would need faith if it all added up. But if you're sitting in here today and you're like, Chris, like, it's not adding up. It's just not going to. And if this thing keeps getting worse, it's definitely not going to add up. I'm telling you the God who saved you and redeemed you, if he is able to forgive you of your sins, he can heal whatever circumstance you're in. Go back and look at the story of them dropping the man through the roof. He forgave him his sins and he said, so that you know the son of man has the power to forgive sins, get up and walk. So my God happens to be the one that can save you and then prove to everybody they save you by providing what you need. Amen? And so if you sit down tonight and you say, it's not going to add up this week, I'm praying, the whole church is praying, you're praying, I am 100% confident that he is going to supply. Don't ask me how, don't ask me when, don't ask me how. He is going to supply. He is going to supply. Look at your neighbor and just say, he is going to to supply. Amen. He is going to supply. I don't know how he is going to supply. And we're going to pray like that this morning. Father, thank you. Paul in the same book said, be anxious for nothing, but every circumstance with prayer and supplication, bring your requests to God. With thanksgiving. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. Lord, we're making a declaration this morning that you're providing. That we'll look back on this in 10 years and we'll say the evidence of his goodness in my life was evident, was, was for all to see. Provide, Lord. Do it in a way that you get the glory. Provide. As we shift our focus from the temporary to the eternal, do what only you can do. We'll count everything else as rubbish, Lord, but the surpassing greatness of knowing you. Thank you in advance for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name.